you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Happy New Year. Those of you that are with us for the first time today, my name is Carrie. My wife and I are pastors here at the church, and uh, you saw her a minute ago. She was the fiery redhead that was just dropping bombs. Can you all give it up for my amazing wife for a moment? Is that all right? And if you're wondering, um, my New Year's resolution was to sound sexier, so that's why my voice is like this. Uh, no, I, I've been fighting a, a nasty sinus infection, but I am not contagious, so it's okay if you fist bump after service. In fact, after service, I'd love to connect with you and just uh, maybe meet you for the first time or, or say hey. And I'm, I'm excited, man. You chose the right Sunday to be here. You really did. We're unpacking a brand new series that is so much bigger than just a sermon series to come and sit and listen to. It, it really is the heartbeat of who we are as a church. It's kind of why we exist. It's this concept of what is your next step in the faith journey that you're on, no matter where you're at. Even if, even if you're here today and you're not sure what it is that you believe, we give you permission to belong before you believe, and you came to the right Sunday. But before I dive in, I actually want to just talk to you about a couple of things. And One of them is kind of really what Megan and I, are, are kind of our, our, our life mission, if you will. We, we really feel God has called us to awaken destiny in the lives of people. Kind of discover purpose. Like, what is it that you were created to do? If you have a dinner with us, we're probably going to kind of pull that out of you and say, come on, let's go for it. How can we help you? And one of the things that's kind of, it seems always happen uh, in our life is we, we, people just kind of come around that have this desire or leaning towards or a calling to ministry. And so this year, we're starting an intern program. And, uh, it's for people just like you. This isn't an intern program only for those that just got out of high school or college. This is for children of all ages who feel this leaning towards or a calling to ministry. And uh, in fact, we're going to start a connect group. Pastor Jeremy and his wife are going to lead it for those that are just kind of interested. And you can come and kind of check that out. It'll probably be one day a week and kind of unpack the culture of, of why the movement church is and does what it does and, and really kind of help ignite that thing inside of you. And so if that's you and you're interested, just do me a favor. Seriously, some of, you, some of you may not even care. You're like, nope, I'm, no, I do not want to do ministry. But some of you are like, you know what, I actually, I just am not really sure. I feel this thing on the inside. Well, you're, you're a perfect candidate. So text the word intern. Go ahead and get your phone out. And text the word intern to the number on the screen. And we'll follow up with you in the next couple weeks and kind of say what your next step is there. Because we'd love for you to be a part. And then lastly, before I jump in, one of my favorite things to do is always what we do in the beginning of the year. In January, we do what's called a 21-day challenge because I believe that the greatest days, the greatest season of your life is ahead of you and I believe God is directly attached to that. But we've got to be intentional about it. We can't just meander into or accidentally fall into this process. So we take the first month of the year and kind of kick it up a notch and we're going to ask you to be a part of three things, read, pray, and fast. And let me tell you what that looks like. If you want to jump on this journey with us, you can text the word challenge to the number that's on the screen and and I'm just going to challenge you to read along with us. We have a reading plan. It's a, about 18 verses, maybe a chapter a day. And we'll even unpack for you exactly how to pull something out of the scripture just for you, regardless of where you're at in your faith journey. I want to challenge you to pray with us. 
we'll give you some specific things to pray each day. And then my, my biggest challenge is to fast something. And that's simply to deny yourself something as you refocus your attention on who God is. Some people fast like a Daniel fast, which means they don't, don't eat, you know, meats and proteins, no sugars and all that kind of stuff. And some people are like no social media, no Netflix, no Hulu. And I don't know, you can't fast your spouse, so don't fast that. But you fast something. And I just want to challenge you, just, just kick it up a notch. Just kind of go for it. We're starting tomorrow. And then you can follow along with us in social media, Instagram or Facebook. And my wife and I will be posting some videos every day. Here's what we're reading through. And, and if you follow along, you can read the same things as us. Here's what God's speaking to us. Here's what we're praying and uh, I just, I really want to see God do something awesome in your life. But a lot of times we're just waiting for him to do it. I go just sit back and I'll just hang out. And really what he's looking sometimes from us is just a step towards him. So jump in this challenge with us. Text the word challenge and be in this journey with us. Is that cool? Awesome. Now, now remember, you guys got to help me. I get really insecure if you don't give me some feedback during message. So if it's, if it's like you're liking it, say yeah. Oh, so good. If it's like deep and profound, just say Wow. Oh, see, it makes me feel better. So at least for my sake, make me feel better along the way. And we're going to unpack this message for you today. And really, again, it is the fullness of what we do as a church. But more importantly, it's God's promises for you. So let's pray and we'll jump in. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we thank you that you're in this place. And really all of us, no matter where we're at in our faith journey, we open our hearts to you and our minds to you just so we can hear and, and see and receive what it is that you want to do in our lives. So God, would you just minister life now in a way that only you can? In the way that only you can. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. That just means I agree. Well, I want to talk to you about some of the promises that God has for his people, for people in general. The Bible is filled with God's promises for us, but There are four core promises that God gives to all mankind. Four core things that God wants for everyone, for all people. And listen, this is for you, for me, for everybody, right? And and you need to know that this is an important component of what God wants to do. In fact, in the Jewish culture, they celebrate these four promises every year at what's called the Feast of Passover. And the four promises, they, they call them the four I wills, and there are four cups of wine, and they they drink a cup for each promise, and they pray as a family. So we have four cups of wine for all of you. I'm kidding. Cal- calm down. We want to talk about these things. And this was first kind of revealed to Moses. If you know the story, just before he goes in to say, hey, let my people go after the burning bush. I'll talk to you about this in a little bit. If you don't know the, the d- details in history, it's okay. But you do want to know the four I wills. You need to know the promises that God has for you because you are on a spiritual journey. Whether you want to be or like it, Or not, you have a spirit. And so therefore, there will always be this longing. You can't get away from it. There will always be this something on the inside longing for fulfillment. Longing to know what is it that is next for me. And today, I'm going to talk about these four promises. I'm going to kind of unpack where we're going in this series. And then I want to just really take a few moments at the end of the day to talk about the first promise. The four promises. I wills. And we find this in a passage of scripture in the Old Testament in a book called Exodus, chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. So check out what this says. It says, This is God. Therefore, say to Israel that I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So this is the first I will. I will bring you out. 
And what's he bringing them, them out of? He's bringing them out of slavery. See, they were in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And so God is saying, your first step, my first promise, look at me for a minute, my first promise for you is I want to get you out of your current condition. I want to get you out of the current challenges that you are in. I want to get you out of the condition of slavery in Egypt and Pharaoh. And I want to just tell you today, you are not probably in slavery currently, but I believe that this promise still rings true for all of us today. That the first step God wants us to take is just to get out of the slavery or the current condition that we're in. You know what's interesting and really actually more exciting is God's not interested in you taking your first step being reading the Bible every day. And his first step for you is not church membership. His first step for you is not praying all of the time. His first step for you is not being a good person. All of that is important, but it comes later. God's first step, his first promise is, I want to get you out of your current condition. Jews call this, the Jewish culture, they call this the cup of sanctification, which means salvation. Or the way we'll say this today is to simply know God, to know God. I'll talk about this today. We'll unpack it in just a few moments. The verse continues. It says this, I will bring you out of under the yoke of the Egyptians. And then it says, then I will free you from being slaves. Now, this is interesting. He says, I will bring you out and then I will free you. I will bring you out and then I will free you. I will rescue you from your bondage. You see, so many of us feel like we need to get all cleaned up before we come to God. We need to get everything in order before we come to God. But no, we just need to get to God and let him clean us up. That's God's promise for us. He wants to get us out of slavery and then he will free us. Then he will free us. See, here's the thing. God got them out of Egypt, but then he realized they still had some Egypt inside. Let me say it a different way. They had a heart of slavery. Let me put this in Christian terms. Christian terms would be, I'm going to heaven, but I still have issues that are driving me crazy. I'm going to heaven. I know God, but I still have issues that are driving me crazy. Listen, all of us have issues, and if you don't think you have an issue, that is your issue. <laughs> it could be your attitude, or it could be addictions, or an incredible anger problem, or relationship problems, or bitterness. And God's promise isn't that he's just going to get us out and then hope we can figure it out. No, he promises to walk with us through our struggles until we find victory. That's God's promise. In Jewish culture, it's called the cup of deliverance. And that sounds a little bit freaky, especially after the movie Deliverance, right? But that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about like demons crawling up the wall and vomiting green stuff on you. What this is talking about, this word deliverance, is really, it's really about Christians who still struggle with their sin issue. Just this question of, do I have to live this way for the rest of my life? We'll call it step two, to find freedom. So to know God, but then I got, I got out of Egypt, now I got to get Egypt out of me. But then we can't just stay there. Here's the thing, we can't just stay there. God still has more, he still has promises, four promises, core promises for each of us. 
And I think scores of Christians stay right there. And they know God, get some of that junk out. But scores of Christians stay right there. And look at what he continues on. The third I will, the third promise says, I will bring you out from under the yoke, which means the burden of slavery. I will free you from being slaves to them and then I will redeem you. I will redeem you. You know what redeem means? And sometimes we get lost in translation. Redeem just means to put you back to your original intent. And man, if you're like me and you have a past, that's, that's one of the greatest signs of hope. That God doesn't just want me to know him and get that junk out of me, but he's going to put me back, redeem me to my original intent. The Jews call it the cup of restoration. The cup of restoration. To be restored. All right, Matthew Henry says that God is a God who forgives, forgets, receives, and restores. To get you back to your original intent. We'll call this step three. To discover purpose. Why am I here? Why am I here? We're going to talk about this in two weeks. I'm telling you guys, do not want to miss a single week of this because no matter where you're at, each of us has a next step. And then finally, he writes on, he says this, I will take you as my own people. You know, every promise up until this point was, I will free you, I will get you out, I will redeem you. It was written specifically to you as an individual. And then all of a sudden, the language, the vernacular begins to change here. And it says, and I will make you as my own people. He puts us into a group. He groups us together. It's a family. It's a family with a purpose and a promise. He says, you are a part of a group of people now who are called to make a difference. And I just want to tell you, look at me for a moment. You have never lived. You've never lived until you've been part of a group of people who's making a difference. You've never lived. Sociology, outside of the word of God, even outside of the church, would agree with this Maslow's hierarchy of need. He says this, that the highest level of living is making a difference on this earth. You've never lived until you've been a part of a group of people making a difference. Last week I was having lunch with some, just some great people that are a part of our church at one of our favorite restaurants, Pizza Port, a.k.a. Heaven on Earth. And I just sit across the table from a great couple. Their name are Melissa and Clement All Young. Just when you hear the, the, the vastness of their story, I just, it blows my mind. Just the faithfulness of God. And they were just talking and Clement said, you know, I just don't know where I would be. If I wasn't a part of the crew, I was like, what? The crew are the men and women who get here literally at the butt crack of dawn. Before Jesus is awake, he's like, oh, we're, we're here now. It's okay, I can get up now. And they set this place up and they tear it down every Sunday. And what I didn't hear him say is, man, it's just too early and it's my day off. He just said, no, I don't know what I would be without the crew. They're my friends. When I'm in the darkest season of my life, that's who I call. You know what, Pastor Kerry? When we moved into a new home, you know who I called? The crew. And they showed up because they, they're perfect at moving. They move every week. <laughs> you haven't lived until you've been a part of a group of people who are collectively making a difference. The Jews call this the cup of fulfillment. To be filled. We'll say step four. The fourth promise is to make 
a difference. And look at what the scripture says. After this, after these four promises, he says, then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke. He says, all these things, these are the promises that I have. This is what I want for everyone. And when you experience the fullness of these promises, then you will know what it means to be a Christ follower. And I fear, my concern is that so many have merely tasted Christianity and given up because they haven't experienced the fullness of these four promises. Maybe they had a bad experience with some people who are Christ's followers. And, or maybe they just didn't get all the way there to see God do something in their life. And I just want you to know, from the bottom of my heart, God wants these four things for you. He wants you to know Him, to know God. Not to know religion, not to know a system, not to know a memory verse, but to know Him. He wants you to find freedom. So once you know God, that, that, that now we work to get the stuff out that needs to get out of us. And he wants you to discover purpose. Why is it that you're here on this earth? And then finally, he wants you to make a difference. And you need to know at the Movement Church, everything that we do, our entire mission, our heartbeat, surrounds these four things. And our goal is not that you would be perfect, whereas many of you are. Some of you aren't, but many of you are. But our goal is that you, look at me, lean in for a moment, would just simply take your next step. And that for you, it might, if you're like me, it might take you months to take that next step. I don't, uh, uh. If you're like my wife, you're already sprinting through and creating new steps, and that's okay too. But we just want you to take your next step. Today, I want to take a few moments to unpack this first step. To know God. And here's what I would ask one more time. You're here today. So just kind of go with me for a few more minutes. About 20 minutes left in our service today. And here's what I would ask. Regardless of where you're at in your faith journey. Regardless of what you think you believe. Would you just for 20 minutes say, God. I'm going to give you permission to speak to me. Because I don't want to just know a system. I don't want to just know a tradition but I really desperately do want to know you. Can we do that today? This passage of scripture says, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. If we go back to the original story, we go back to what happened, we find that the Hebrews have lived in Egypt and inhabited the place. They were very successful and had a great relationship with the Egyptians. Everything was good. There was no slavery. But the Hebrews, the Israelites were multiplying so rapidly and so fast that Pharaoh freaked out. He said, if we don't put an end to this, they're going to outnumber us and take over the world. So they went in and they put the Israelites, the children of Israel, the Hebrews, into slavery. And then Pharaoh began to make them do different things. And then there are things in here that he began to say, three decrees that we're going to talk about today that I believe actually still exist today. Now, I don't think many of you are in an actual physical slavery, but I believe that the same spirit, the enemy of, this, of our lives, that Satan is doing everything he can to keep us in an emotional and spiritual slavery. We're going to look at the three decrees that Pharaoh made towards the children of Israel. And I would ask that in the next few minutes, you would just explore to see if maybe you can identify with one or more. 
His decree number one was he forced them as slaves to make bricks. So they made them do manual labor. They built many of the the historical monuments, pyramids, and other things like this. And they would force them as slaves to make bricks. You know what the, the word slave means? It means anytime one is submitted to a dominating influence. It doesn't just mean only under the rule of some other person. But it's anytime one is submitted to a dominating influence. You could be a slave to your habits today. A slave to poor spending habits. A slave to bitterness. Perhaps something in your life and your past created a, a, a fragment in relationships. And so now you look through the lens of bitterness in any relationship you're in. Anytime you meet someone new, you just think through the filter of, they're going to hurt me just like everyone else did. We could be a slave to lust. Or a slave to drugs or alcohol. You know what this is? Slavery. It just tells you how to live your life. And the truth is most of us don't even like it. Don't even like it. We feel stuck. We're trapped. What I like to say today is maybe we just feel enslaved. Can I just be transparent? This was my life. Born and raised in the church. My parents were pastors. I knew all the traditions, all the songs, all the Bible verses. I was that kid that you didn't like because he always answered the questions. But I didn't know God. I felt trapped by my own desires. And I would often, as a teenager, as a young adult in leadership in the church, I would often ask the question, is it ever going to change? Will I always suffer with this? And then I began to believe that I was a summation of my poor mistakes. I was enslaved. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 8. He said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life. And is in fact a slave. And a slave is a transient who cannot come and go at will. Does that resonate with you? If so, maybe you're a candidate for the first promise and you just thought salvation and to know God was for people who wanted to go to church more. No, it's for people who feel trapped in slavery. For people who feel trapped. The second decree that Pharaoh made was the murder of babies. After he had enslaved the children of Israel, the Hebrews. They continued to multiply, and he said, we've got to put an end to this thing. And he issued a decree to kill any, for any male children that were born and throw them into a river. And this is, you can find this historically outside of the Bible. This isn't just something that I'm saying for the sake of today. This is a fact. You know what that means? The goal was simply to destroy upcoming potential. you ever felt like that? I think I've got potential, but it's been stopped. You know, my life, I wanted it to. I used to dream of it, but now it just seems to have no meaning. And I'm just going through the motions, trying desperately to make something happen and to count. But on the inside, I'm dying. This is just a feeling of being empty. You ever been there? Just a feeling of emptiness. 
The third decree that Pharaoh made, he required them to collect their own straw. See, at one point, they would, the Egyptians would put straw by mud pits, and then the, the children of Israel would show up and take the straw, and they'd put it into the mud, and they would make bricks and set them out and bake them. But then at one point, Pharaoh said, that's it. Now, not only are you slaves, but you've got to go collect your own straw and then make the bricks. See, now he wanted them to, to wear them out more hours, work harder. Work even more than they've ever worked before. You know what's so challenging? Is that when you get exhausted and tired, that's when we make the worst decisions in our life. Right? It's when we say things that we regret saying. And this is just a feeling of being exhausted. This isn't about doing too much. This is about doing too much that doesn't matter. Doing too much that doesn't matter. Rest is not inactivity. It's the condition of your soul. You know, one of the things that we do, I may have told this story, but I don't have a lot of stories, so you just got to laugh every time I tell them. It makes me feel better about myself. And we have people come in town. We do the tourist things. We go up to the Griffith Observatory and waste our time in Hollywood. Then come back down here and see the cool beaches. And then we do the whale watching tour because Groupon is cheap. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We've done the whale watching tour 752 times, right? And, you know, then what happens? You go on the whale watching tour. If it's not the whale season, then they bring this dolphin specialist because you know you're going to see dolphins. They'll tell you it's whales, but it's not really whales, so they'll give you the coupons. You know what I'm talking about. It's a scam. But everybody that doesn't live near the ocean is like mesmerized, as am I, by dolphins. So they bring the specialist, the dolphin specialist, to tell you all the things. That, and I'm going to be honest, I geek out over that stuff. I'm like, really? That's what they eat? Megan, get over here right now. Blowing my mind. I just sit there, and she's like, thank God somebody's listening to me. One time I was on this, this voyage out of Newport Harbor, a three-hour tour. They began to tell the story of the dolphins and found out the dolphins have to constantly be moving or they actually can drown. But they still have to sleep or they'll die. So what they do, dolphins, is they shut off one half of their brain. I know some of you are thinking my husband does that all the time. They shut off one half. That joke slaughtered in the first service. Y'all did not laugh nearly enough. They shut off one half of their brain and they keep the opposite eye open and they continue to swim. And the rest of the pack will make sure that they don't fall too far behind. And they'll, they'll sleep like that anywhere from two, 20 minutes to two hours. And it's just interesting to me. Because it tells us that the rest is less about the physical activity and more about their mind. And may I even venture out with us that it's our mind and our soul. You just feel exhausted. You just desperately are trying to find some fulfillment, trying to find how to make this thing work, but I'm just so tired. You may be a candidate for the first promise. If you feel enslaved, if you feel empty, or if you feel exhausted. Jesus reiterates this in John 10, verse 10. Some of you are thinking, well, that's Old Testament. Some of you are like, I don't know, what, what is Old and New Testament? It doesn't even matter. But here, let me just bring in the New Testament for those of you that do care. John 10, 10, Jesus reiterates this same thing. He says the thief, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy three decrees like Pharaoh. But what does he say? I have come that they may have life. And what life? To the full. It's like that last promise, that last 
cup. And let me ask you a question. Why, why wouldn't we go after it? Why, why would we settle for anything less than a full life? Why would we settle for slavery in Egypt? And some of you might be thinking, well, you, you have to say that you're a pastor. You know, yeah, I believe in this full-heartedly. I don't want you to stay in Egypt. But I, I asked a friend, I, I called a buddy of mine, and he just has an amazing story. And I said, hey, would you mind? So the people know that this isn't just me talking. But did you, would you share your story for a few moments? And so I asked my friend Nate to share this. I want you all to watch this quick video. Hi, my name is Nate, and this is my story. I grew up in a loving family. They had me in church every Sunday. But church for me was more of a place to go and ask for forgiveness for things that I had done throughout the week. I never really knew God. I knew about God, and I heard all the Bible stories, but I never knew who God was and didn't have a loving relationship with Him. After high school, I joined the Marine Corps. In my first deployment, I was shot by a sniper. I laid in the alley with half of a bullet sticking through my ballistic vest. I remember praying to God to get me out of there, and He did. Then I came home and asked my girlfriend at the time, now my beautiful wife Anna, to marry me. We've been married for 27,000 years. Then I deployed again to Iraq. After almost dying several times and seeing things and doing things that haunt my dreams, I couldn't cope with everything I had seen. I came home immediately started suffering from PTSD symptoms, having nightmares. I hated myself for who I was. My family suffered from that. I turned to alcohol for coping. I was getting drunk at work. I would go in at 6 o'clock, drink a fifth of whiskey, and be blacked out, passed out by noon. I would wake up and drive home. I did that every day for a year. I felt hopeless. It was a temporary fix. Then finally one day I came home and Anna gave me an ultimatum. She had the kids packed, ready to go, and said, you have to get help now or we are leaving. So I entered into rehab and I've been sober, free of alcohol, since March 21st, 2008. Fast forward four years and three kids later, we're back in California. My PTSD symptoms were out of control. I turned to pain medication for coping and became addicted. I remember feeling hopeless, helpless, and I hated myself. The depression was too much. All the while I believed in God, but I didn't really know who God was. I didn't surrender all to Him. We started searching for churches and happened to find the Movement Church. From the first Sunday, we felt like home. I remember going to my first connect group, and that's where I really began to know God. I really began to have a loving relationship with Him. I reached a place where I surrendered everything to God, and it's changed my life forever. To think about two and a half years ago, I actually OD'd on prescription pain medication. I thought I was dying, and I wanted to die. But now, to see all that God's done in my life has just been miraculous. He's given me purpose. He's brought my family new hope. He's awoken dreams that I thought were dead. He's given me passions that I never knew I had. God took me from a place from being held hostage by my addiction to complete freedom. My life's not perfect, but I know who God is, and I know His plan for me is. Come on, let's give that a hand clap. 
I, I love that story and I love the transparency, but maybe some of you feel like you're in a similar place. You know, it's, it's just amazing to me that Nate, like me, we can grow up in a church environment and not know God. So we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. How did I get here? And maybe for some of you it was things that were done to you, or maybe if you're like me or Nate, you've made enough poor decisions or mistakes that have just compounded into this feeling of slavery. And the truth is, it doesn't matter how we got here today. The greater question that's worth asking is, how do I get out? If God wants me out of Egypt, how do I get out? I think, unfortunately, most of us don't even know what it means to actually know God. I use this story all the time, but it just works. Many of you know, I've told this before, a few years back, I ate dinner with Kobe Bryant at Javier's. And that was a great opportunity for me. I loved it. It was The food was okay, but just Kobe Bryant, Black Mamba, come on. Now, he had no clue I was there. He was like four booths away from me. And everybody's taking pictures of him. But some of us do the same thing with our faith. We think that because we're in a church through osmosis, we know God. And yet we still have those feelings of slavery and emptiness. And that's not God's promise for you. So what do I do? Well, first, I think we got to make the move. We've got to make the move. I mean, that just means to repent. Like, like Nate's story, he said, I was drinking a fifth of whiskey every day, blacking out, driving home, and it still didn't help. But at one point, he surrendered. So he was going this direction, and he changed directions, changed course. That's what repent means. Repent doesn't mean I become perfect. Repent doesn't mean I stop struggling. Repent doesn't mean I don't ever feel that way again. No, repent just means I'm going this way, but I'm going to stop that and change it and make the move towards what God has for me. To make the change. To leave Egypt. You know, listen, you need to know this, that God came to close the gap between the life you are living and the life you could live. I love how 2 Corinthians just reiterates this. We find this, these promises conveyed all throughout Scripture. He says, therefore, come out from them. Come out. Be separated, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I'll receive you. Check this out. And then he says, I will be a father to you. I will receive you. A promise of restoration again. First, we've got to make that move and repent. Second, we've got to let it go. I'm not talking about the song from Frozen. We've got to let it go. See, here's the challenge. So many of us want to make a move towards God, yet hold on to something in my life that is still destructive. Never forget Avery, our youngest daughter, was two years old and came out of the kitchen holding a butcher knife with the blade face down in her palm. Megan was out, and I'm panicking. My wife's going to be angry. We're, this is bad. I'm like, Avery, let me have that knife. And she's like doing this whole thing. I was like, hey, here, would you like some candy? Candy's good. Candy for the knife? <laughs> candy for the knife. Secret tips to the trade. She slowly opened her hand. And I gently reached and grabbed the knife. 
she offered it up, and I gently reached to grab the knife. Some of us think that God's just waiting to snag that knife, and if I lose my limb, well, it's what you get. God wants to come alongside and gently remove it, but you have to let it go. That means surrender. Like Nate said on this video, I didn't know God, and then finally I just surrendered it all. Listen, Egypt is not worth it. I love what Mark chapter 8 says. It says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. We've got to let him lead. The next part says, follow me. And I'll show you. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to saving yourself. That's what God wants for you. Make the move. Let it go. Let it go. And then three, we've got to commit our life. Look at me. It's time. Commit your life. Look, you've committed your life to something else all the way up until this point. So it's time to commit your life to who he is. You've had allegiance with Egypt, and it's time to change allegiances. It's time to reassign your heart to something, or more importantly, someone else. Not just think I like the idea of God. Just, God, I've given you everything. I love what Romans six nineteen says. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurities and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. This, my friends, is a choice to surrender. I like to tell people, man, I'm a slave to him by my choice. I've tried it the other way and it doesn't work. Egypt is highly overrated, my friends. After all, he is the only one who paid for my sin. You know what that's called? Relationship, not religion tactics, not tradition, not process, not system, relationship. It's to know God. And it's the first step. You know, as I was praying for this, man, I've been moved so much to prayer. The last few weeks and months, I've been spending more time in prayer than I ever have in my life. And I've been praying for you Specifically, even though I don't necessarily know all of your names. I just feel like God leaned in so heavily as I was preparing this sermon and just said, there are so many who think they know me, but they haven't fully left Egypt yet. I just want to challenge you today. Are you a candidate for the first promise? I'm going to give you an opportunity to begin that relationship in just a moment. Look at me in the eyes. Some of you have never begun this journey 
and today's your day. But some of us thought we knew God, but we haven't fully left Egypt, and today's that day for you. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Nobody has to get out of their seat. But today, don't let this moment pass and do nothing about it if you feel enslaved, empty, and exhausted. Regardless of how long you've been here, the first service today, 11 people prayed this prayer with me and said yes to Jesus. If you feel enslaved, empty, and exhausted, you're a candidate for the first promise. This is your first step. And I want to challenge you to take it with me today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody leaving, nobody looking around. I just want to challenge you to pray this prayer with me. You can whisper it if you want to. You can pray it quietly in your heart. But regardless, make this a statement of faith in your own heart. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just say, God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me. That you've given me purpose. Today, God, I want to know you. I repent. I let go of my past. God, I commit my life to you. Make this statement your own right where you're at. Just say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.